T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Presented by Mosing Motor Cars. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. Yeah, baby. That's John Massengill. That's Jonathan Green. You just heard in Les Kaiser. We oh, are yeah. all back in the studio after spending last weekend out at Circuit of the Americas having a blast watching the United States Grand Prix. That, that was the most fun Grand Prix since the first one, and that was just an emotional one. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was everything. The crowd was huge, and, you know, the, the nightly entertainment was awesome, I'll say, in both accounts. I heard there was over 117,000 for Justin Timberlake Saturday night. Wow. wow. I, I had heard some early estimates of, like, 90,000, which I, I thought was crazy high. I saw the mayor of Speed City at uh, Stevie Wonder. That's <laughs> only because he was dancing goofy. <laughs> you were dancing? Me and my sister were dancing goofy. Uh, well, uh, I'm glad I missed it. <laughs> Let's be blunt. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> I always do. Uh, but did we have a blast or what, guys? I yeah, think that the it race really was. And obviously, we had a lot of fun as usual. And I think the crowd did too. But the race itself, man, it was fantastic. Uh, it, it was. The racing was fantastic. You know, there, there's still some argument if you follow some of the F1 forums about whether Max had a legitimate pass or not. So uh, I, I think that's really interesting. That's I, I, We should go deeper into that later, I think. Yeah, we are going to go a lot deeper into that later. We've got some clips we're going to play, including Charlie Whiting and some others. But um, but yeah, that that was I mean, that was the the, the the whole the biggest thing of the race for sure was that Verstappen pass and whether it was legal, whether it was consistent, whether it was blah, blah, blah. So we'll talk a lot about that later on. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say, there's a lot I want to talk about that because it's not so much the overtake, it's the way it was dealt with. That's exactly. what's more important to me. Exactly. And of course, so let me run down what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk, obviously we're going to talk about the USGP here in Austin that happened last week, but today's race in Mexico, we're going to go into that. They just keep coming fast and furious. I know, it? it's true. It, ma it makes you realize when you're there at the track and you see the guys starting to pack up. I mean, they tried to pack up some of our audio gear before we even went on the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, hey guys, uh, we, we got a race we to do. Yeah, there we go. We're and, not done. We haven't even started. We wouldn't have been able to get the, uh, the race out on the radio, but that's the whole idea is that these guys are packing up every everything ready to go to another city, another continent. So, yeah, we hit, we hit the ground running and, and are in Mexico again this weekend. It was a great race this weekend, especially lap one and corner one. Ooh. Wow, it really was one, good. One, two, and three, I'll say. It well, that's all true, three. yeah, that's true. And I thought Matchett's comment uh, on the NBC coverage was excellent because he's like, no, son, that's not what you do. Everybody's <laughs> advised you not to do that, and that's exactly what you've done. You've gone against all the people's advice. <laughs> it was like his grandfather was just yeah. chastising him. It was, it was pretty good, though. I liked it. It but. was, and, you know, to me, it was racing. And I'm glad it played out the way it did as far as no penalties and it was just racing the way it was because there was an open shot. Hamilton shot for it, which, you know, was was 
overly confident into it, but it, it didn't play out well. Yeah. And, and he paid the penalty through the race. Well, we're going to talk a lot about more about F1, but we have a special guest on the phone. And, we certainly do. And, and we're going to talk MotoGP first, and then we're going to come back and talk a lot about Formula One. The fourth member of the crew, I would say. I, that's you? a pretty I good mean, really, yeah, I mean, I he's family. I mean, he's come on. Brother from the Australian mother? Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> brother from another mother. He is, of course, the world endurance time cha- world endurance champion of old but not really that's a bad word because he's still as fast as he ever was the one and only steve martin steve i know you're on the line how are you good guys it's really good to uh, catch up with you guys it's been a while and you know what uh, just to get ready to come on to the show here i know that you know that i've got one jonathan i went out into the shed to prepare i pulled my mustang out so my 1965 mustang and i gave it a wash so that's how i prepared for the radio <laughs> show awesome. today awesome okay audience this is legit this hey, isn't we- just your your typical average you know, 60s Mustangs, of which we have millions of. This is a K-code. This is seriously legit 289 K-code. Hey, you'll be happy to know too, Les, that I've actually, um, it's been sitting in my shed for, I don't know now, 15 years, but I've, um, we'll get to motorbikes in a minute, okay? Yeah. Steve, why don't you tell people how you did this? Because I think it's a great story. What, how, how I what got my, my, my K-code? Yeah. Well, um, I just, I always had a hankering to, to get one. Of course, in Australia, we don't have any, any cool cars like that. You know, we've got the old Australian muscle cars, which are worth a lot of money now. But um, I always wanted uh, a, a Mustang and um, I just searched around. I couldn't find one here uh, in Australia. So I took a bit of a gamble and um, got talking to a guy in um, on the east coast of America, up in the north there, Massachusetts, I think. I can't remember the name That's of the state now. That's yeah. um, Maryland. Maryland it was. That's yeah, up there, isn't it? So, Maryland? yeah, it's the Mar- Maryland, Massachusetts. So you, I, you, you can be forgiven. You're from Australia. There's a long way between Perth and Adelaide. And- well, you know, we're no, Australia's big, but we've only got seven states to remember, not, you know, 52 like you guys. So That, that um, could, be, that could actually uh, be brought in here in years to come. Yeah, well, anyway, but, but so I, I, I bought it. Um, I bought it sight unseen, um, and I did the whole thing. I got it shipped uh, down, and, and when I got it down, I had to res- like it was. It, I needed to finish it off. It wasn't fully restored, but it's fully restored now. I sent you a photo of it, Jonathan. Put it I on your it. Facebook page and I, let your listeners have a look. I will. I'll, I'll I'll send it to Les, and he will do said thing. By the way, anyway, it does look like a doozy. It looked really good. I know. I, I use it as a daily driver anyway now, because uh, and the kids love it. Because um, I've gone, we had a little white people mover that um, I used to take the kids to school in, and um, uh, you'd turn up at school and all the other mums and 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 dads in their big SUVs would look down on you, going, "Oh, gee, look at those guys." And then one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to be Mustang. So we've gone from the uncoolest car at school to the coolest. So it's. Uh, I'm, um, I'm living life down here at yeah, the moment. Yeah, little Lord Martin's going to love that, going to school and that. Oh, they love it. I gave them the choice this morning, actually. I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go in the People Mover or the Mustang? So my little uh, seven-year-old girl, she loves getting in there. The, of course, the other reason they love getting in there is because they're rebels. When they're in that car, they don't have to wear seatbelts. So they're like their it's, mother, have got a car that... <laughs> Well, yeah. So, uh, of course, we wear seatbelts in cars that have seatbelts, but the 65 Mustang doesn't have it. So uh, they love getting in there and um, just the freedom of driving around one of those, you know, um, classic uh, six cars from the 60s. Okay. Now, we're we'll, we we'll talking about the authorities are listening. <laughs> uh, it's all legal. I can legally do it down here, mate. 
Fair enough. <laughs> now, uh, we did want... I mean, we always like to catch up with you, your family, what's going on at school. But actually, I think we should talk to you about something you know even more about because you were working for Fox in Australia today on the MotoGP. So, uh, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about... Uh, well, tell us what you were doing today and your thoughts, first of all, on the overall weekend. Yeah, I mean, of course, you guys um, had the F1 up there just recently in Mexico next weekend um, with F1, but it's uh, down in the Southern Hemisphere. It's been all about MotoGP, and um, the circus came to Australia a couple of weeks ago, and it's uh, moved to Sepang um, this weekend, just uh, gone. And, uh, boy, what a what a few races we had there. Of course, um, we've had a couple of uh, world champions crowned in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jaya Mir won in Australia his world championship, his first world championship, um, in the Moto3 class. And I'll tell you what, Jonathan, if he wins uh, the final race of the year, he's going to equal Valentino Rossi's um, a man of wins in the minor class. So Joanne Mears um, definitely got uh, it all to play for in the Moto3 class uh, next time out at Valencia in a couple of weeks' time. Moto2, Franco Morbidelli. I don't know if you remember him or not, but when we were do, doing yeah. the World Superbike commentary, he was the young kid coming through then. Well, he's now the Moto2 world champion. Um, he didn't win on the weekend in the Moto2 class, though, because um, another manufacturer's um, finally found some form uh, this year, the KTM. KTM have made a Moto2 bike, and uh, for the last two race meetings in a row now, Australia and here, they got a 1-2 um, on the on the podium, so it was a, a massive weekend for KDM uh, in the Moto Two class, and uh, they look uh, ominous uh, for next year's championship. And then, of course, the big one was another one too, the Moto GP race. Davizioso had to win to keep it alive, and you know what? It was wet. He went out and he did it, and he kept it alive. Twenty one points in the lead, still twenty five for the win um, with one race to go. Um, that means that Marquez, who finished fourth on the weekend, uh, really. Just has to cruise around at Valencia, but anything can happen in these races. And, um, you know, the pressure's on uh, when they head back to Europe for that final round. You know, I'm excited to see that, but I don't know that Marquez can just cruise around. He's got to survive it. And Valencia, with its uh, wet and wild weekends and, and weather that it gets there, I, I think that can, can come into play and it may actually well, favor Lorenzo again. Absolutely. It, it's not the first time that Valencia, I mean, um, Valentino Rossi was uh, up for the win at Valencia. Um, I think it was 2006 when Nicky Hayden uh, won the championship. Uh, all he had to do was roll around, but he fell off in turn two and um, handed the Nicky Hayden his uh, world championship. So, you That's know, right. that was at Valencia, a, a, yeah. It was. So it is the sort of track. It's They've come from, like, two really open tracks, tracks very similar to, to um, the Circuit of Americas there, really wide and open. Valencia is pretty much um, will fit into most people's backyards, and it's a real handful uh, on these MotoGP bikes. Remember that they're putting out um, more power than almost the most powerful car on the road now nowadays, 260 to nearly 300 rear-wheel horsepower, which is uh, absolutely insane. Um, amounts of horsepower to, to, to be dealing with. So, um, you know, it might sound easy, uh, just get to four points for Mark Marquez, but um, he could have wrapped it up in Australia. He didn't do it. He could have wrapped it up uh, last time out, wasn't able to do it. So, you know, perhaps that pressure might be getting to him. 
It's a good question. It's a good point. Um, I got a quick question, though, about the two Ducatis. Uh, it, there was a great shot as uh, Lorenzo was overtaken on turn 15. Um, as they came down the front straight there, you really saw the difference between the two Ducatis uh, in their fairing. Can you kind of give us an idea of what's going on there? Why Lorenzo has this sort of almost fin-like kind of fish thing? You called it, what did you call Jet it? Jet fighter look. Yeah, the naked duck. Yeah, it's, uh, that you'll see a lot on, on fighter jets, yes. quite honestly. And yeah. Yeah. What's the difference okay. between what he and Dovi are running? Right. Well, basically, um, what uh, they're allowed to homologate two different fairings. One fairing is a little bit um, like an F1 car where it has wings on it that are built into the fairing uh, to give the bike downforce. So, of course, Ducati have measured the amount of downforce. Now, Lorenzo... Uh, uses the fairing that gives a lot of downforce with the with the funny look on it. The reason that he uses it is because he's a very front end orientated rider. He needs to be able to feel the front end, and he finds that with the extra pressure of that um, aero, aero package um, on that Ducati, that uh, he just gets that little bit more front end of feel. But of course, the problem with it is you don't have quite as much top end speed because you've got all that extra drag pushing the bike onto the ground Davizioso on the other hand he's more of a, a rear wheel steerer like he's a late breaker so he breaks um, upright um, puts a lot of pressure on the front wheel anyway without that fairing he sort of like stops it in the middle of the corner and turns it so he doesn't need the same sort of feel so he goes with the old original fairing uh, just to get a little bit more top speed advantage um, and then also of course um more acceleration. I mean, a couple of things looking ahead, Steve. Obviously, Valencia. I mean, it's a pretty much. Are we going to take a break? Or what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break because we got a lot more to talk about with Steve. But let's take a quick break, and when we come back, Steve Martin's going to tell us more about today's MotoGP race. Listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after a quick message. The Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. Ducati Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. 
Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it. We'll make you better. Mosing Motor Cars is Texas's only authorized dealer for Superformance products. Superformance's Mark III is the only Cobra replica built under license from Carroll Shelby. There's no finer example of a Cobra around. Mosing and Superformance is your supplier for all the great race cars of history. The GT40, the Mark III Cobra, the Corvette Grand Sport, and the Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. Mosing Motor Cars, 2420 West Breaker Lane, online at mosingmotorcars.com. Superformance and Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy talk 1370 the right choice welcome back to speed city presented by mosing motor cars jonathan you were going to ask uh, a question of mr steve martin uh, uh go ahead buddy yeah steve you still there i'm here mate uh, by the way, first and foremost, thanks for coming on. Uh, you're listening to the words of Steve Martin calling us from Australia, his home. Uh, he is, of course, a former world superbike rider and a world endurance champion with Yamaha. Uh, Steve, and of course, my best mate in, in motorsport, basically. So um, if he doesn't mind me saying so across the air. He anyway, may not say so, but he, no, he, he may, he may just smile. That's all right. Yeah, he may just smile. <laughs> um, Steve, uh, looking ahead to next year, because clearly Marquez is going to win it somehow, unless he does fall off, but either way um a couple of things how good do you think ducati can be next year because now lorenzo effectively with a couple of podiums it hasn't been a good season for him should be up to speed um dovi it's a breakout year for him no doubt um and even if he doesn't win the world title it's been a completely you know the joke that was ducati of three years ago is no longer um but honda is still there and yamaha there or thereabouts what's your thoughts on next year yeah, I think that next year is going to be a very interesting year. I think Marquez is firstly and foremostly making that Honda look good because if you look at all the other Honda runners, um, they're struggling. They're nowhere to be seen. I mean, in the race on the weekend, the, the next Honda runner down from Marquez was another 15 or 20 seconds behind. Um, so I think Honda is sort of like uh, being helped with Marquez's uh, extraordinary skill at the moment. Ducati... Well, you know, they're definitely on the up and up. There's some tracks that the bike works well at. Um, but if you look at Phillip Island a week ago, there wasn't a Ducati in the top 10. So they're still a little bit up and down. But I guess if I look at the, you know, the progress over, over the year and, and um, of what I've seen, I've definitely seen um, Lorenzo come from absolutely nowhere uh, he's really improving. He's on the up and up. You know, he's led a lot of races. In fact, he's led um, probably the second. Uh, if you if you tally up who's led the most laps, I think it's Marquez has led the most. I think Lorenzo has led the second most laps in huh. the year to date so far. It's it's hard to believe. But yeah, that, that is weird. So, There's two ways of looking at so that. Bad. That's really bad, though, isn't it? If you if one guy's the well, world it, champion and the other guy's nowhere. <laughs> It is, it is bad, but I guess what you've got to look at is everybody else that's ever got on that Ducati. Okay, Davizioso has been on there for, what, 15, 20 years now? I can't remember, but a hell of a long time, so he knows it intimately. Um, but Lorenzo's got on it, and it's 
it's a completely different animal to what he's used to. Like the Yamaha is a, a nimble handling bike with a really solid front end. The Ducati is a bike that you have to go into the corner, stop hard, turn and shoot out, just like Davizioso does. And all the other Ducati riders that ride the Ducati well ride it in that style. So unless you ride it in that style, it doesn't work. Now, Lorenzo has been slowly trying to change his style, so, and it's working because now he start, those podiums are starting to come. He's running up the front more often. He's getting um, better lap times in the dry conditions. So I'm pretty sure that Lorenzo, I, I'm not sure he's going to be able to win next year, but I reckon he's, he's definitely going to be in the top three. It looks like he's going to finish seventh in the championship this year. Um, but there's other guys that you need to keep an eye on. I mean, like Johan Zarco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's been on the podium the last two times. He's, on the, of course, on the, the Monster Tech 3 Yamaha, the one that Colin Edwards used to ride uh, a few years ago, if you remember. And, um, I mean, Zarco is uh, just a phenomenal rider in all conditions. Um, and in his rookie year on a MotoGP bike, uh, he's been astounding. He's really uh, put the the factory MotoGP team to shame. Uh, we've got Vignali saying, oh, yeah, no, the bike's no good in the wet, you know. And yet Zarco yeah. can go and almost win the race and be one and a half seconds a lap quicker every lap. Hey, in fact, Steve- Zarco finished... I was just going to yeah. ask you about Zarco. Do you think, I mean, to me, this guy is the next young, obviously the youngest young rider to watch, but, I mean, he he could be a, a champion. I mean, this guy's good, isn't he? Well, I would say that uh, he's in a he's in the box seat at the moment to sign, you know, you've got to look at Danny Pedrosa. Pedrosa's got to be on the way out. Um, you've got to look at Yamaha at the moment. I mean, Rossi is still phenomenal but he's, he's getting up there, isn't he? You know, 38, 39 years old. Yeah, good points. Um, Vinales isn't really, you know, he started off strong, but he's not really uh, cutting it, I would say, if you know what I mean. Like, he's not there uh, winning week in, week out. He's not going to step up and take Valentino Rossi's shoes like they thought he might. So I think Zarco's in the box seat at the moment. And half, I reckon at the end of this year, he'll be offered some sort of um, contract uh worth a lot of money and you know millions and millions of dollars probably five million dollar contracts um um which is you know what those top riders are getting paid steve i've got another question for you as you know i'm always trying to get the band back together it seemed to be very popular last year so i want to do it again next year and i got another reason to do it and when i say putting the band back together that's you and me buddy uh in in the commentary booth um paolo ciabatti saying that ducati will provide ben spees a world superbike level piece of equipment for the 2018 moto america season your thoughts discuss (laughs) well i think that's fabulous um um i'm you know i'm just wondering why you know ben stopped he had a lot of injuries and perhaps that's the reason he stopped um for him to come back uh three or four years i guess it's about three or four years later now um he must have the hunger in the belly uh to do it so i reckon that ben spee's probably going to be able to have his choice of machinery because um, he, he, he's pretty much, uh, in a way, in America on the same level as, you know, Rossi is in the world. So, I mean, Ben Spees is um, an ex-MotoGP rider. He's still young. Um, the Ducatis, of course, America is a uh, a massive market for any of the motorcycle manufacturers. So it'll be a bit of a coup to get um, Ben on the Ducati if, if he can. Um, and it's one thing to have the bike, 
but you've got to have that team to back it up. So it'll be interesting to see what way Ben goes. I, I mean, I don't know the backstory of that. I don't know if he signed and decided to go with that deal, but you've got to remember that uh, in America he had a, a very close relationship with Suzuki there as well, and um, he won some championships with the Suzuki. He had to beat Matt Maladden to do that, of course, um, and that's what made him such a, a brilliant rider. But um, it's just such a good, such good news if he does come back for, for Moto America. Um, because he is definitely one of the world-class riders. If he hadn't have injured himself, um, he's, he probably would have been MotoGP champion by now. Yeah, I think I agree. Steve, we're, we want to wrap up a little bit, but I want to hear what you're doing. Tell, uh, you, you're out there riding, I know, as a journalist these days, uh, as well as doing some historic races as well. But uh, tell everybody what to ride and why. <laughs> What's a ride and what? Well, you know what just rolled up in my garage. Um, I love the way he just, does that. Um, like you have a garage with an open, it just rolls up, does it? You, you get up in the morning and ding. Well, the, the, the tooth, the, the bike fairy's been. Well, actually, the bike fairy arrived today. A big truck rolled up um, in my driveway, and um, a brand new GSXR thousand um, rolled out the back um, because, of course, <laughs> Suzuki just won the um, uh, Australian Superbike Championship here as it did in america moto america tony elias sure. won there well a guy called you used josh to race Waters, against him didn't you josh. yeah many years ago well he won the um uh the australian superbike championship and um of course suzuki are very happy about that and they're they're giving their gsxrs out to um all the journalists and, and people like me to uh, have a bit of a squirt on so um when i finished with you guys uh, i'm going to put my helmet on and go for a ride on my um well it's not mine i'm just doing a test on it on my GSX uh, 1000, and then actually on Wednesday, You're living I'm, the going dream. To little, I'm going to Wakefield Park to ride the championship-winning bike. So, wow! Um, I still got, yeah, yeah, with the number one. I told him I'll ride it, but I want a big gold number one on the front. So, looking forward to see if I that. Gold one. Steve Martin. Not thanks, that I buddy. We we got to go, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, go have gold fun one. on go have fun on your motorcycles with the gold letters. We'll send you and a, a gold number one for the Mustang as well, if you'd like for the top. You can be like Jigs like of gold. Hazard in, in in Australia. Thanks a lot, Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Drive safe, buddy. See you guys. Thanks, Stevie. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we just got a text from the man himself, Will Buxton. Yay! He's going to come on the show and talk a little uh, Mexico Grand Prix and probably talk a little wrap-up of the USGP. So stay tuned to Speed City back after these messages. racetrack it's where legends are born where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance such are the nameplates you'll find at aston martin of austin lotus of austin bentley austin and rolls-royce motorcars austin exotic iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride highway 183 north of mcneil road Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. 
With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Welcome back to Speed City. We are, we just had a little MotoGP discussion with Miss Steve Martin. We're going to switch gears and go to Formula One. And you know what? I think I want to talk just a little bit about last weekend, about hey, here in I, Austin. Can I tell you a short story? I have I only have one short story in <laughs> sure. my life, you know. Okay, so, <laughs> Les you know, doesn't tell short stories in case you know Les. They know that already. <laughs> <laughs> so here was the coolest thing. We got pinged, and I hope you all heard us broadcasting last weekend. During the Formula 4 commentary, Make-A-Wish Foundation had a family there with a young boy, Zach. And, uh, you know, I hope you're familiar with Make-A-Wish. It's, it's a great group. And uh, they grant wishes to uh, kids that are critically ill and, and facing some real health challenges. His wish was to commentate a race and then work in the Formula 1 paddock. So naturally, <laughs> they bring him to us, and uh, he gets to pop in not only to commentate a race, but sit next to Tim Crope. Uh, with the uh, commander of the International Space Station. Yeah. How cool is that? He got to commentate a race with Jonathan Green and an astronaut. Yeah. Roughly so the same thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if that wasn't enough... I don't enough, know which is more intense. So if that <laughs> Both of us have been out of space, that's for sure. Uh, if that wasn't enough... Mine mostly inside the head. <laughs> he got invited into the driver's press conference after qualifying. And yeah. he got to meet the drivers there, who actually had met Sebastian the day before. And uh, anyway... At the end of that press conference, Lewis Hamilton grabs him and takes him to the TV bullpen for the post-qualifying bullpen. The funniest thing played out right there. So he had already told Sebastian he was his favorite driver and he was a Ferrari fan and all this kind of thing. But Lewis is taking him around. Well, these two guys, Sebastian and Lewis, wind up in the corner, same corner, doing their TV interviews to different broadcast groups. And Zach is in between them. <laughs> they play up and ham up an argument playing yeah but arguing over who he's who zach is a bigger fan of oh that's right and so then sebastian kind of waves his hand and says fine you can have him and he turns his back to him well ah. poor zach has a little quivering lip about that moment <laughs> but the funniest thing is lewis turns with his like hand on on zach's shoulder and he's facing the camera talking to this camera and the next time lewis looks back he finds out that Sebastian had grabbed a Ferrari cap and put it on Zach. <laughs> so you have to just you know, visually imagine all that happening. But it was so incredibly hilarious. And I want to thank those guys and uh, certainly the F1 team that runs the press conferences and all that for helping us out. Well, this 11-year-old boy with a critical, whatever whatever the cases are, and uh, it's a really amazing thing for Make-A-Wish. So, yeah, I think that little boy will... Uh, 
We'll never forget that. And, you know, it was interesting, the fact that they, they what talked. She said. What she said. You knew what I was going to say, didn't you, yeah. Nathan? How she said that these, when these kids have their wishes come true, that actually medically, some of them just recover. Yeah. I mean, think about that. So it certainly uh, progresses that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, their ailment or whatever it is. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, guys, uh, we're waiting. We're, we're trying to get hold of Will Buxton. And so, uh, Jonathan, you know, you guys pointed out something to me that was uh, was on uh, Channel 4 yeah. in, in the U.K. And so we grabbed this clip. And this, obviously, last week, the USGP, the big big story was Max Verstappen off-track limits and the violation and how how that was called, whether it was consistent. I think that was the big issue most people had. It was, was it called consistently? Because all throughout the day. So... We have a, yeah, go ahead. We have an audio clip that you guys thought you and Les heard about this and saw it and said this is a great summary of this whole issue. And so uh, let's play this clip. It's Karun Chanduk and Channel Four, and he and he go, talks talks about this whole issue and summarizes it really well. Max Verstappen's move on Kimi Raikkonen on the final lap was unquestionably the biggest talking point of the U.S. Grand Prix. Look how careful Raikkonen's being, trying to get the exit of the corner here. He's still going to have to fend off through the last couple of corners. Oh, Verstappen squeezes up the inside. That's remarkable. Boy, oh boy, Max Verstappen has stolen third on the last lap. What a racer. We have just learned that a five-second time penalty has been applied to Max Verstappen for gaining an advantage by leaving the track in that overtake on Raikkonen. And it means that he's now fourth. The FIA rule quite clearly states that should a car leave the track, the driver may rejoin. However, this may only be done when it's safe to do so and without gaining any lasting advantage. The two key words in this whole sentence are lasting advantage. While Carlos Sainz and Valtteri Bottas both went off track during their battles and weren't penalized, Max was the only one who gained a place when he had all four wheels beyond the white lines that border the asphalt. He had gained an advantage. He had shortened. Awesome. I, obviously, this is the way that the this race was uh, so much dependent on this. Obviously, with, with him landing on the podium, then coming off the podium, it was a really uh, controversial thing. And, and I know we're about to get Charlie Whiting's version of it, but I don't care about Charlie Whiting. I want to hear what Lee Diffie's got to say about it. That's a good idea. If we could just wait, Lee how Diffie. Can we, how can we get him on the show? Lee Diffie's on the I think podium. he listens. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, how are you? Nice to be back with you. Good, Lee. How are you doing? Hey. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I think we witnessed something uh, pretty special today, but I think I guess you're still talking about Circuit of the Americas, so you you uh, you, you steer the ship. Uh, well, we want to <laughs> we want to talk about this week because we 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 talked about last week to death a little bit. I mean, but the last thing I do want to get your take is on the last week is just on what we were just talking about about Max Verstappen's pass and the off track and the rules, and then we'll go into this week. Well, look, I mean, I'm 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 torn because. Um, it was one of the it was one of the gutsiest, you know, and, and exhilarating overtaking moves we've seen in, in quite some time. And so you never want to stifle that, right? So I thought it was awesome. Just personally, I thought it was awesome. But I also understand the rules. I've got I've got friends as you do too. We've got friends who are who are Formula One stewards. The Formula One steward who Verstappen called out, Gary Connolly, has been a friend of mine for a long time. Um, Gary made a quick decision. Um, but but I guess the, you know when you listen to what Mikasalo said, all all of the facts were presented. Gary made a very quick decision, but in the end, 
it was, I guess it was the right decision because he did have all four wheels off. I argued the point. I've had, I've had a number of um, discussions since then with people in positions of power that would prefer that I don't name them. And I've said, you know, come on, look, how can a decision be made this quick, uh, this quickly? Um, yeah. You know, and it takes us, it robs, it robs Verstappen of a podium. It was the, possibly the highlight of the race. And, um, you know, what's the deal? Well, the fact of the matter is, because I, and I, and I use, probably as you guys have too, I use the example of at turn 12 with Verstappen and Botas. Yeah. They went for the corner. Botas went outside the, the track limits, came back, in my opinion, gained an advantage. But nothing was done about that. There was the Botas Ricardo turn one incident, blah blah blah. So, um, and I was reminded of the fact that there actually are no rules about track limits. Period. The rules pertain to exceeding the track limits and then gaining. And the key word is gaining a lasting advantage. That's the key thing. And so, when you look at the Botas and Verstappen thing in turn twelve. Botas was already ahead when they entered the corner. So I know for a fact that the FIA steward deemed the fact that that was his corner. Then they would say he was pushed wide by Verstappen, exceeded the track limits, came back on to be ahead of Verstappen. Therefore, he didn't gain a lasting advantage because he was ahead when they went into the corner. And they can break it down. The stewards make the call, but Charlie Whiting has access to the same um, uh, technology. They can break it down into what they call micro-segments. And they look at the actual timing data and they say, well, he was, you know, three tenths ahead here, Mm -hmm. but he was only, you know, one tenth afterwards. Or he was one tenth behind, but now he was four tenths ahead. So therefore, he gained a lasting advantage. So I think that's a whole bunch of gobbledygook and we're getting mired in the technical uh, technicalities of it. Uh, I loved the pass. I thought it was incredibly ballsy. Uh, and and I, I think to a to a small extent, uh, Kimmy crowded him a little bit, and Kimmy forced him into that situation. Um, so again, I'm, I'm I'm torn between it was an awesome move, but yet I understand uh, I understand a portion of the stewards' standpoint, you know. And Lee, my only take on it, and I totally agree with you 100%, was you were commentating on it, we were commentating it for the track, and I just don't think it was a good advert for the American fans in the crowd and those watching on NBCSN when somebody's there on the podium uh, anteroom and then is hustled out of it because it's just not good for the sport because it's confusing to an, a young American audience in, in a lot of ways who are still in some ways learning it and don't, don't understand necessarily how decisions like that are made and it's hard for us as commentators to sort of say sorry folks what you just saw didn't really happen yeah and if you're trying to attract the casual viewer um or the, you know the channel surfer they've just watched a nascar race where you can go all four yeah. wheels below the apron you know and that's okay yeah. uh because that's part of nascar's rules but you know in formula one and i agree with you greeny um it's it was very difficult and it was a little bit disappointing because you know as commentators you you thrive on that kind of those kind of exhilarating moves, and yeah, it was a um, it was a tough one. But you know what? Uh, for the crappy year that Verstappen's had, for the poor reliability and the crashes, <laughs> yeah. um, to, today's today's win, you know, made made everything right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's transition. Before we do transition, Les, I want to talk, uh, Lee. I want to talk. Let Les tell us something about last weekend that was really pretty amazing uh, that you were a part of. Hey, absolutely, Lee. And I, and Will is trying to work out network issues and join us. But, uh, Lee, you were part of it. Thanks for the video to come with the yeah. Buxton Bash. 
All the all the trio guys joined in, and uh, thanks for contributing. They loved it. The crowd the went event. nuts when they saw that video, and you were funny, mate. Good work. Absolutely. I I, well, I, I made sure I had my salt lick hat uh, ready, and <laughs> I, um, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm proud of myself that I uh, that I, I kept it clean. I hear Hobo dropped an f bomb or two. Hey, well, <laughs> we don't mind. Yeah, certainly, certainly, Will Buxton didn't mind the f bomb or two. Well, hey, that's all right. Hey, we uh, we got your compadre in. He did let's, get a hold of the let's network. Bring, let's put the band back together. Let's have a party. Will there Buxton, we welcome to the show. <laughs> Hello. We, yeah, we've got your other mucker, uh, the one with the crazy jacket on, uh, Lee Diffie. He's with us as well. They all have crazy jackets on. Oh, they do. Yeah, I know. They're out doing you on the on the fashion show these days. Hey, so we just wrapped oh, up no. last week's race and, and talked about the passing, no passing, legal or not. But uh, it's time, and, and we got the right crowd here. Will, you got to tell us what the grand total was for last week's Buxton Bash. Um, so last count, just over twenty-seven thousand. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, it's unbelievable, and I, uh, I just can't thank everyone enough for turning out and supporting the event as much as they have over the years. Um, I think over the over the five years we've run it, we've raised in excess of one hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars for local charities, which is which is unbelievable. And you know, this year, guys, we couldn't have done it without you. You organised everything. I gave you so much hell for it, and uh, <laughs> you were just amazing. So so really, thank you because uh, we we couldn't have done it, and we couldn't have made that much money for charity without you guys putting it on so so thank you well you got it. and we're very privileged to have both you on we've heard you guys all day today we've enjoyed every minute of it thank you so much um but again give us your personal take lee first uh, and then um uh, will um you know what do you take away from today obviously it was a lot going on a hell of a race well called everybody but um what's your, what's the highest moment for you well i think i i loved i love the aggression uh, you know, when there's so much on the line, it's always easy to soft pedal it and be conservative. I love the aggression from everybody at turn one, two, and three, lap one. You know, they were they were, as Lewis told Will in the post-race interview, you know, he he was going to go aggressive and he did. You know, he wasn't going to soft pedal it. Vettel went for it. Verstappen, we know, we know Max now, and and he has the skill to pull off those ag- aggressive moves. So I thought that was terrific. But then. Just big picture-wise, as we we ended up the day, you know, on F1 Extra, just saying, you know, I said to the boys, just think about a big picture. In the five years that we've had F1 on NBC, we got to we got to see Vettel be crowned a four-time world champion, and then today we got to see Lewis wow. Hamilton become a four-time world champion. And then you know, you think you think about this in the, you know, it's become a generic phrase like xeroxing or hoovering. You know, you, you know when someone's driving fast or a little bit, you know, trying to be uh, too skillful or too clever. You say, you know, who do you think you are, Fangio? Well, yeah. you know, right now as we sit here, Sebastian Vettel and, and Lewis Hamilton are one world championship away from equaling Fangio, and then there's only Michael Schumacher ahead. So, yeah. I mean, we could live. You know, we've been fortunate to live and work in this era, mm. and and you know, our you know, my kids are just starting to get into it, and they may never see a Formula One driver get anywhere near these kind of numbers and records so i kind of take a bigger picture view of today i loved it i I thought i thought the whole weekend the mexican crowd and the flavor and you know doing it for the earthquake victims you know there were there were many sides to this event today but happy for verstappen and then i think you know hamilton yeah it it was good i mean i if either of the guys had been world champion there's, there's great great things to say about both of them but for lewis he deserved it he probably should have had this championship either last year or uh, several years earlier so um it was uh it was right to be and 
I think it's, I think we're all very fortunate to to witness this in the timeline of Formula One. Yeah. Well, hey, Will Buxton, you were there. You're there in Mexico. It really. I, I think this Grand Prix down there has turned into a huge success based if nothing else on it's a sellout every time. Uh, but I saw you, you know, you got to see, you got to interview Tavo Hellman, but uh, which was, I loved what he said about you guys. We can talk about that. But also, I just want to get your take on the whole thing too, just like, uh, just like Lee's. Yeah, I, I agree with Lee. I think we're in a very fortunate and privileged position to watch two now four-time world champions go wheel to wheel into the future um if fernando gets a decent engine in the back of his car next year you know could he enter the mix could we get ricardo and verstappen fighting in there as well uh, you know are any one of those guys going to stop seb or lewis taking a fifth crown next year i think that's really exciting um you know you get the young guys like ocon and verstappen who are coming through ocon had a great race today um one of my big takeaways from the weekend honestly is um is brendan hartley again yes he's had two weekends in formula one and it feels like he's been there all year he's just he gets on with it he's he's such a nice guy he's so talented he's so quick and it just feels right it just feels natural it feels like he always should have been it feels like he always has been here so that's a really nice kind of takeaway as well there's there's these two guys who define their generation who are battling at the front and for the championships and then you know the the sort of the cast of characters that stand almost in their shadow at the moment and just 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 waiting to burst out into the spotlight is uh, is quite incredible well you've just about answered the question i was going to ask and uh, that was is hartley a legitimate contender for a seat next year yes he's got the seat next year yeah. I think anybody who thinks he hasn't is crazy because, you yeah. know, the great work that Marshall Pruitt did over on uh, on race, he, he found out that Hartley had signed for Ganassi for next year. The fact that Ganassi's had to sign Ed Jones, who'd also had a handshake deal for, yeah. uh, for Dale Coyne for next year, you know, that tells us one thing, which is that, yeah. Hartley's going to be in Formula One next year. There's no two ways about it. And I asked Franz Tost, as you know, how how did the negotiations with Chip go? And he was just like, they were long. And then he sort of laughed very awkwardly and walked off and <laughs> sort of turned around and looked at me and he said, well, what else do you expect me to say? What am I, what am I supposed to say? You know why I can't talk about this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, they wouldn't have busted him out of the Ganassi contract if he wasn't racing for them next year. Yeah. I got one for both of you. Um, I was trying to look for something else than the obvious. And, and to me, um, I, again, I, I mean, I love Vitaly Botas, but what is going on? I mean, he was beaten sorely by... Vitaly Botas. I mean, uh, Vitaly Botas. Vitaly Botas. Vitaly well be. Crazy, crazy <laughs> hybrid driver. Valtteri Botas. <laughs> but um, what is going on? Um, I mean, you know, he should have the same equipment as Lewis. Lewis is flying through the field, Vettel's flying through the field, and he can't catch up with Verstappen. Lee, you want to take that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, def definitely whatever's happened, there, as much as there's been a line in the sand uh, with Lewis Hamilton between uh, prior to the summer break and after the summer break, I think there's equally been in the opposite direction, the line in the sand for Botas. And uh, whatever's changed, if there has been obviously subtle changes with the car that's made it, just it, he's finding it more difficult to get it into the sweet spot. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's still finished on the podium, but he did get waxed by Verstappen today. But I think there's another thing that's happening too is that, uh, and it's the same for anybody who comes up against, you know, a, a world champion as your teammate, you actually get a window into seeing just how good they are. And Botas has had a front row view of just how good Lewis Hamilton is. And that, on top of struggling to get the tyres in, into the operating window, the optimum operating window, 
into the pressure of trying to deliver and having to deliver in the first season on top of being a pole sitter and being a multi-time race winner and then not even getting close again. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of compounding factors on that, guys. So I think I think there'll be two, two trains of thought today. Happy that he got on the podium, but then realising he got on the podium because the you know the top two guys in the championship were at the back end of the field, and he got uh, he got hosed by a Red Bull to the tune of twenty seconds. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I got to say, it's a very to, interesting to, one. On 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 that on that, I think the the, the really interesting thing we, uh, this weekend was that the Mercedes was the third best car. Um, so actually, Valtteri yeah. bringing it home second is actually a pretty good result, and yeah. you know, and he demolished Kimi in the process. So. I think Valtteri had. I think we expect to see the Mercedes up front and, and and winning everything. And when it doesn't, we question. Well, you know, is it the driver? And, and uh, there's two things here. Lewis, you know, Toto said numerous occasions over the last few weeks he's never seen Lewis as good as he is right now. So Valtteri's coming up against Lewis, uh, Lewis Hamilton. That's never been better. Mm-hmm. Um, his achievements, therefore, I think are, over, are are sort of put in the shadow by that. Um, but what he did today, I thought was 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 pretty good. He put a car second that, that had no right to be there because the Ferrari and the Red Bull showed all weekend that they were the cars to beat. So yeah, I think he had a I think he had a good day. But that's the difficulty for for Bottas' season, as Lee said. You know, he's done brilliantly. He's won his first Grand Prix, multiple Grand Prix this year. But he's going to come out massively in the shadow of Lewis because Lewis has had such an exceptional year. Yeah, one of the best of all time at the top of his game, like you're saying, Lewis Hamilton. But hey, Lee Diffie, I know you said you just had about 10 minutes with us. Uh, You need to go. No problem at all. We got to take a break, too. So uh, if if you uh, if you can stick with us, great, both you guys. But I know, Will, you're in the car driving. So, uh, Lee, is, is that uh, is that all you got time for us? That's that that that's all I've got, guys. And and I'll be happy to be back on the show anytime. But if it doesn't happen before the end of the season, want to say uh, thanks for what you guys do on a regular basis. Not only in the lead up to the uh, to the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, but for what you do week in week out for for the sport well, we love, and you know, yeah, for all of your viewers. So thanks, back at guys. you, <laughs> yeah, Lee. And you know, you guys, uh, we're gonna. Having you guys on NBC has been really amazing, I think, what for America, like Tavo said today. But you guys are the best of the best. You know, that we say Formula One drivers are the pinnacle of their, their, their game and their, in this motorsports world. And you guys are, too. And we really appreciate both of what you guys have done and, and who, whatever happens next year. But thank you guys both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, Actually, if, yeah, well, if you can stay. Yeah, Lee, we're gonna. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got, another, I've got about another ten minutes before we get back to the hotel. Well, great, cool. we're gonna take about a two-minute break and we we'll back with Will Buxton. Travel safe, Lee. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. 
Grandi Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MB Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MB Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Dirtfish Rally School is the nation's most prestigious driving school, offering seven days a week, year-round driver education from 15-year-olds with no driving experience to amateur racers and professional drivers. Our professional instructors never judge a student based on who they are, where they're from, or their driving background. We'll keep you and your family safe on the road, or better, at the racetrack. Feel confident behind the wheel, don't matter the situation, no matter what you've done, or where you've done it, or how well you've done it, we'll make you better. Bozing Motor Cars is Central Texas's source for classic performance cars. British, German, Italian, Japanese, and American. Ready for that special car you've always dreamed of? Bozing has you covered. Looking to sell a classic? Let Mosing handle all the details and get that special vehicle in the hands of the right buyer. Visit the showroom at 2420 Westbreaker Lane or call 512-821-9491. Or browse the garage online at MosingMotorCars.com. Mosing Motor Cars. Drive yourself happy. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Speed City, presented by Mosing Motor Cars. Was Andrea Divizioso. Andrea. He's winner. Si. He had a good day. Hey, yeah, so we are helps. we are live with Will Buxton. He's in the car after today's race. And Will, I want to ask you a question. The next one for me, and that would be our friend, our smiling friend, everybody's favorite guy in the uh, Formula One drivers parade of uh, Daniel Ricardo. You were the first one to get to interview him today. I want to ask yeah. you, what do you think? I mean, kind of leads off Jonathan's question about Botas, about how, what Botas, is he, you know, is he, is he, could he be doing better with the hardware that he's got? So do you think Bot, do you think uh, Ricardo could end up at either Mercedes or Ferrari next year? Well, not next year. Yeah, well, not, or, not, yeah. not next year. Yeah. 2019. 19, I think, right. I think right now Daniel's in the pound seats for the for the Mercedes seat. Lewis said some very complimentary things about him over the weekend. Um, and he said it would be a privilege to race alongside him. You know, I said he's one of the most talented yeah. guys out there, and I think it would be wonderful to see Daniel alongside Lewis. Um, I think there'd be a good scrap for that seat between Ricardo and uh, Ocon for the 2019 Mercedes seat alongside Lewis, if indeed Lewis, you know, is still there and doesn't hang his helmet up. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Daniel's doing it all right. He he always extracts the maximum from the car. He's a hard and fair racer. Um, he's a joy to be around. He would be a great ambassador for Mercedes. Um, and as Daniel himself said over the weekend, you know, look, Max has taken himself out of the driver market now, which actually makes my life a bit easier because you know yeah. one less guy to worry about yeah it's true that's a good point hey so what about today what about mexico i mean obviously with tavo hellman getting us started here in austin we follow yeah. mexico very close i saw you got to interview tavo today uh what's your take on the, the mexican grand prix overall love it 
absolutely love it. Love Mexico City. Love the track. Love the people. Love the food. Um, everything about it's amazing. Uh, don't love the tequila so much in the morning, but uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing. Went to see Paul McCartney last night. What? Incredible at uh, yeah the Estadio uh, Azteca was unbelievable. Wow, uh, and he still rocks it, it doesn't he? He still rocks it. it. <laughs> Yeah, he's still Roxy. He's 75 years old. He's still Roxy. He's been touring since 1962. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he, do, he just, you know, he doesn't stop. He's amazing. Um, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, just phenomenal. So, you know, and that's something that the organizers helped me. It wasn't part of McCartney's tour. And the organizers said, look, you know, can you can you come and do a concert over the Grand Prix weekend? And, and Macca was like, yeah, all right, cool. Um, so it came part of the, of the F1 Fiesta and it was just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, again, this year, I think it was 135,000. No, was it 135,000 today at the track? Yeah, 135,000. Yeah. So, yeah, on race day. So over 335,000 for the weekend. Um, more than last year, more than the year before. They keep going up. And it's just every year it gets it gets bigger and more colorful and more noisy. And it's, you know, and the pre-race today, you know, Austin had his own, you know, pre-race with, with Buffer. And uh, and today the pre-race was all uh, Dia dos Muertos and was, yeah. was just amazing. Amazing! It had this wonderful, you know, very unique, very local flavor, and uh, and it's great. And I love tacos, so you know, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, when I when I went to Mexico City a few years ago, it was before the race even happened. You could tell it was a big Formula One city already before they even had the race. So it was it was big. But well, guys, we're yeah, it's, it's huge. And I, I got to do the Carrera Panamericana earlier this or a stage of it earlier this year, and that's where the, you know Mexico's love of motor racing really began. So it's yeah. there's, a, there's a real heart, there's a real love for for motorsport. Well, we're out of time. Will, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, Will, but we are out of time. I appreciate you coming on the show, Will Buxton. Will, thanks again for what you've well, done with you. the community of Austin with the right Buxton bash. bash. Let's do this again. Well, I'm an I'm an Austinite, you know that. I'm you know sort of <laughs> an honorary citizen, so you know you you know my heart's there. And listen, I just want to echo what Lee said. Thanks for all you guys do, um, you know, in in promoting the sport in and not just for for American Grand Prix week, but but throughout the season. And, awesome. uh, yeah, it's massively appreciated, guys. Thanks all a right, lot, Will. Thanks, talk, Will. Talk to you soon. Travel safe, buddy. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 